Hi, everyone. I'm Anthony Giuliano. This is the Asher Marketing Podcast, and our guest this week is Melissa Dunning. Melissa, how you doing? Terrific. Thanks for having me, Anthony. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. So you just started a new job not too long ago. Tell us a little bit about that. I did. I am the new uh, director of marketing at Burn Apparel, a company that makes workwear, okay. mostly outerwear for men, like coats and um, overalls located in ASEAN, and they're a terrific company. I'm very pleased to be there. Well, great. We're going to dive into that in a little more depth, but congratulations on the new gig. And you are back in the office now, or are you still working remotely? Back in the office. Okay. All right. Well, that's a chance to meet your new coworkers, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad to be there. Yeah. Well, again, thanks for being here. As you know, um, and thanks for listening to some other episodes, um, as you know, we talk about three things, career path, your organization, and and that can be organizations because I know you're involved in some volunteer efforts as well. And then we talk about some of the things you're working on. So I want to start with career path. Um, You mentioned just before we hit record that you grew up in Northwest Indiana and then came to Northeast Indiana where most of your career has been. I have a similar story. I spent about half my life in Massachusetts, but most of my career has been in Northeast Indiana. So tell us a little bit about where you went, you know, starting with college. How did you decide on a career path and what did that career path look like at the outset and beyond? Sure. Well, um, like you said, I grew up in Northwest Indiana, and my background is actually graphic arts. So I went to commercial arts school in Chicago, and then I went into the summary overview is I went into advertising. I worked as an art director at ad agencies, um, then moved to Fort Wayne, continued in ad agencies, and um, transitioned into an account executive, and then transitioned more into marketing. Um, got a marketing degree along the way at um, then IPFW, yep. and then went client-side. And okay. I worked for Aunt Millie's Bakeries for 17 years in marketing, and now I'm at Burn Apparel in marketing. All right, so let's talk a little bit about a couple things. The graphic design world, um, back when you started your career, I mean, I, I did a very, very little bit of bad graphic design early in my career because I was sort of a jack-of-all-trades in one of my early jobs, and it was... PageMaker 6.5 is what I think I learned <laughs> learned graphic design on. But, you know, other guests on the show, Larry Wardlaw is one. We we talked about how graphic design used to be typesetting and stuff yes. that's completely unfamiliar to those doing it today. So tell us a little bit about what that world was like. Yes, that's exactly true because I'm, I'm of the age of a person who started out in graphic design when it was, you know, by hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in art school in the 80s. And when I started my first professional job, that was kind of right before digital or, you know, computer graphics took over everything. So I was on both sides of that divide. Yeah. And I've had conversations with other people uh, in the industry about, you know, how um, the young graphic designers that came up after the Apple revolution and after the computer revolution didn't have the same experience of knowing what hands-on graphic arts was all about, like cutting Rubylith and drawing with the rapidiograph pens and, you know, uh, using exacto knives and so on. And uh, so it was a pretty interesting time and a big challenge. And I think a lot of graphic designers at that time, um, (laughs) you know, the stories about like the film industry when they went to sound and -hmm. some of the actors couldn't adapt to speaking roles, (laughs) you know, graphic designers had to either adapt to the Mac environment or you're not going to be a graphic designer anymore. Yeah. Yeah. 
It was a whole different world. Yeah, sure. So, so why did you make the transition from graphic designer to the, the account side? Um, we are, we had a guest on recently who talked about being on the account side and and hating it and and rushing back uh, to a world where he was doing more video production. So, why did you make that transition, and what was that transition like? Gosh, I was probably the opposite, honestly. I was pro- I was better at being an account executive mm-hmm. than a graphic designer. I was a workman like. I was okay. <laughs> I wasn't that talented, Anthony, honestly. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I think it was just sort of more my nature that I was sort of organized yeah. and a planner. Yeah. And um, just as I matured, uh, I also had um, some mentoring. I went. I was working at um, HPN Advertising mm-hmm. and Beth yep. Miller yep. was really mentoring to me and yeah. taught me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, my very, very limited experience in graphic design, one of the things that I was glad that I had that experience is it it allows me a little bit to talk to designers and speak a little bit of their language. Exactly. I would never claim to know nearly as much as a full-time graphic designer does, but it does help you make that transition, I'm sure. To this day, it helps me working with artists and creatives to this day, I think, being yeah. able to speak their language, understand where they're coming from. Sure, sure. So so do you do any graphic design today or are you completely out of that world? I can very, very badly occasionally Photoshop <laughs> something a little, Yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the artists just laugh at yeah. me. But uh. <laughs> Yeah, I've gotten to the point where if you sit me down in front of InDesign, it still is InDesign, correct? Is yes. that still what our yeah. friends in the graphic design world use? InDesign or Photoshop, it's like trying to speak a foreign language to me, and it's so different than... Don't even try. Yeah, I won't. <laughs> I won't. I'll leave that to the professionals. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you've you've been in marketing in, in one form or another throughout your entire career. What are some of the, the changes that have been most impactful that you've seen? There's There's some obvious ones, but what are some of the things that you look at now and, and it makes it feel like it's a completely different world. Gosh, well, e-commerce, yeah. of course. Yeah. In fact, um, that's the biggest difference for me in apparel mm-hmm. now compared to being in the food industry yeah. up until a year ago because mm-hmm. um, at Aunt Millie's Bread, we had a lot of digital things going on, but we did not sell product on e-com yeah. because we didn't have any way to fulfill, to you know send you a loaf of bread in the mail. Sure, sure. Um, so coming to Burn Apparel, we're very strong on our e-commerce and yep. um, I work closely with the director of e-commerce and you know some areas overlap there's sort of marketing e-com and then the overlap between yeah and it's so exciting to be able to see exactly every data point and how uh, you know one little thing that you do can affect like you know you send out an email and then you see how many people respond to it yeah and you can you know t- a b test subject lines sure. and see how sure. that that kind of um, trackability is oh, a brave new world, yeah. you know? Yeah, well, you know, the the way that I've described it to, to people who work outside of marketing is I say that when I started my career, it was more art than science. And today we've yes. still kept the art, but it's probably more of a science than an art today. Yes, yeah, it's a good way to put it. So um, for Burn Apparel, I want to get more into Burn Apparel in just a minute, but was e-commerce always a strength or did that, evolve over the past 14 months? Obviously, you're fairly new there, so you might not have insight into that, but I'm interested in you know that um, impact, how that impacted the business over the past year or so. More the latter. I think they had a strong framework that they had built or they were building, but then everything just exploded for them yeah. you know, during pandemic, and then they were fortunate enough to 
be able to ride that wave and yeah. to really take advantage of that. So now they're trying to grow even more. Yeah. We are yeah. trying to grow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's still probably reflexive to refer, refer to them as they. Yeah. yeah. So uh, one thing I wanted to talk about with your career path, and, and I know you're, you're a fairly humble person, so you might not want to talk about this much, but I'll drag it out of you, is your receipt of the Silver Medal Award. Yes, that was quite, ago. that was a very moving honor. Yeah. So if I have it right, this is the Advertising Federation of Fort Wayne uh, recognizes its, its, fairly annually, although it's not locked into every year, someone who has made an impact in their career in marketing in one form or another in Northeast Indiana. So tell me a little bit about when you when you learned you were the recipient of the Silver Medal Award, what was your response? Was it surprising? Was it, it did was, you say, it's about time? I've no, been doing this work um, all, these, all this time. Yeah, it was very humbling. It was in 2014. Yeah. And um I actually shared that year with Tom Borney. Oh, that's he, right. He received the silver medal that year as well. I forgot that you were yeah. co-recipients, yeah. So it was a very big honor. It was very moving and um, tried to keep it humble. And so I always considered the silver medal to be kind of a lifetime achievement award. It's yeah. supposed to be given to somebody who has contributed to the advertising industry, their community, and um, the Advertising Federation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I was very involved with the Advertising Federation for many years, and I was on the board, and I was mm -hmm. president, and I was involved with the yep. district, and um, it was a big part of my my career, so I was very honored by that. Yeah. Well, and another facet of your career that at least seems to be important based on what LinkedIn tells me is <laughs> your volunteer efforts. What are you involved with as a volunteer today, and, and why do you spend your time in that way? I feel very strongly about uh, volunteering. Um, currently, I, I'm involved, I just started on the board of the Allen County Christmas Bureau, mm -hmm. and I'm a big sister. Okay. And um, I'm also the president of my neighborhood association, um, which is um, a less effort than, than you would think. Okay, well, Don't I've heard that described that. as a thankless <laughs> task, so I'm glad to hear it's less effort than, than I would think. Yeah. I know you're good friends with one of my neighbors, so. Who's that? Chris Stewart. Oh, yeah. 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 He might Chris be saying, oh, the my... president of the neighborhood is always get yeah. on my case. No. Chris is one of my best friends. We actually served together on the Fort Wayne Trails board. So. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He's a great guy, a great neighbor. Well, hopefully he doesn't annoy you too much with no, his request. No, he's the best. Okay, he's good. The best. <laughs> so, so those are the only things I'm doing right now. I'm not doing extensive volunteer, I've volunteer work, but I have been involved in the past in a lot of arts organizations, uh, Cinema Center, mm -hmm. um, the ballet, the art museum, and... Um, I just strongly feel that it's a win-win-win to be involved as a volunteer. Number yeah. one, you're helping your community, of course. Mm -hmm. Number two, I think it really helps you with your own personal and professional development. Yep. Because um, you can do things for boards or for committees that maybe you wouldn't be doing in your career um, or do them first. Like, for example, I did a lot of public speaking with the Advertising Federation before I ever did it in mm -hmm. my job. Yeah. Or I, I did a lot of event planning. Yep. Um, and number three, networking. Mm -hmm. You know, you'll meet people that you wouldn't have met otherwise. Yep. And, and um, they can become, you know, great networking and referral sources and people who become friends and, and connections for your whole career. Yeah, whole I, life. I agree with that 100%. Um, last night I was talking to a group of young, aspiring entrepreneurs, and I was talking about, you know, the... The, the shortcut that you can take when people, you know, a lot of times younger people say, well, how do you get three to five years of experience if every job wants you to have three to five years of experience? And I said, one of the few shortcuts you can take is volunteer 
in a way that allows you to showcase the skills you 100%. want to be known for. So yeah. yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, and, and that's something. It's 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 great to see that that you've done that, and and I think anyone who has done it knows the benefits of it, but it sometimes isn't obvious to those who maybe aren't yet starting their careers. So let's talk a little bit more about Burn Apparel. I I will admit, I know a little bit about the company, but not much. So. Anything you can tell me will be new to me for the most part. Tell us a little bit about the company's history, its you know its primary focuses, and what you think makes it makes it different and better than, perhaps than some of its competitors. Okay, well, it's been around for over a hundred years. Uh, the company was and it's family owned, still family owned. It was started in Bern, Indiana, and it's now in Ossian. And the company provides. Workwear of uh, to you know hardworking people, yep. largely outerwear for men like coats and overalls. It's a competitor to you know a lot of people know Carhartt, mm-hmm. um, but for a more more affordable price. Mm-hmm. So it's a really great brand promise. It's an excellent brand promise to have you know same quality of product as the big national brands, but at a better price. Yep. So um, it's a great position to be in. And I'll tell you, I hadn't heard of them. They're they're kind of quiet. Yeah. A lot of people don't know who they are. And uh, when the recruiter called me about this position, he said, have you heard of Burn Apparel? I said, no. And he said, you know, well, they're a great company, a great group of people. And I thought, yeah, everybody says stuff like that, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But I found out pretty quick they really are a great company, a great group of people. So I'm very pleased to be there. They really um, uh, take care of their people. They do things the right way. Um, They have, you know, strong values. I mean, just in my first couple of weeks there, we were, I was working directly with my boss, who's the VP of sales and marketing, to yep. catch up on some social media questions and comments from customers. And they had gotten a little behind because of people leaving. Sure. And, um, of course, we have a one-year warranty on products. We had a guy who was complaining that a pair of overalls that he had had for 10 years had a button fall or a you know, button fall yeah. off. And my boss immediately said, replace them, we'll replace wow. them. Wow. And um, I was just really impressed that they will stand behind their product even after 10 years. Wow. They, they're really good to people. Yeah. So yeah, it's that's great, great to see. Yeah. So so is there any industry that Burn Apparel specializes in? Is there any line of clothing? Is there anything that is distinct or is it pretty much what you would expect across the board for workwear? I'm just still learning the apparel industry. Um and I think there are kind of standard selections of, yeah. of, you know, outerwear and insulated. But not only does our product line have, it might have like more features and benefits than a national mm-hmm. brand, like, you know, some inside pockets that hold a carpenter pen- yeah. a pencil and, and um, again, at, at a more affordable price. Yeah. We also have a selection of, you know, jeans and T-shirts and shorts and hats and, you know, gloves and all kinds of things. And um, my husband's looking through a catalog going, ooh, I want one of those, and I want one of those. I <laughs> yeah. didn't know you had that. <laughs> well, it's, I, I will claim to know less than zero about fashion, but it, it's always surprising to me when brands like Carhartt take off with people who probably you know, haven't done an honest day's work in their life. <laughs> <laughs> do you see any of that? Is there oh. any, you know, do you have customers who just like the brand and don't really use it in, for its intended purpose? We'll, we'll take it. <laughs> you know, you, you yeah. don't, you don't have to be a, a construction worker. Yeah. If you just want to wear one of our coats, we'll be happy to sell one to you. <laughs> so, so what about markets? Is it, is it a product that's primarily domestic? Is it all over the world? Where, where do you sell to customers? United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so we do sell in retail 
sell in stores like, you know, Rural King or Tractor mm-hmm. Supply Company. Yep. Um, but And then our e-commerce through yep. burndirect.com and through Amazon. So Amazon is a whole other, you know, ball game that I'm learning yeah. too. Yeah, so. sure. So so what's that been like? I'm fascinated by this and, and curious maybe for selfish reasons. I, I have no intention anytime soon of going and doing something else, but I've been at Asher for 17 years, about the same amount of time you were at uh, Millie's. And it's 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 terrifying and fascinating to me at the same time thinking of the prospect of oh, I know. learning a completely new industry. What's that been like? It's been like drinking out of a fire hose, hose while trying to stand up in a whirlwind during a hurricane <laughs> or something. That's a, that's a lot of metaphors <laughs> yeah, combined. Okay, yeah, that was yeah. a mess. But it's been it's been exciting though because yeah. my goal um, when I was job searching was I wanted to find something where I could really use my experience. I have a lot, you know, a lot of years of experience, but also continue to learn and grow. Yeah. And um, I feel like I'm really achieving that and work for a company that's, you know, doing some good and doing some good work and a good company. So I feel very fortunate to be achieving all those goals. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, well, I'm glad it's a, it's a positive because it, like I said, it somewhat terrifies me <laughs> the thought if I had to ever do it myself. Um, what are some of the, let's talk about some of the projects you're working on. I would imagine that the thing that's taking up most of your time is learning a new industry yes. and learning yes. about the company. And what are some specific things you're focused on as you seek to, to get to know the company a little better? Um, I'm working on, you know, sort of two big categories of things right now. One is a, um, a branding analysis. And of course, um, so I'm doing a big branding review of mm-hmm. all the on-product branding. And I really strongly feel that in branding, my definition of branding is everything matters. Mm-hmm. Of course, I stole that from Starbucks. So only <laughs> steal from the best. Um, so, you know, just really trying to analyze everything touch point of the mm-hmm. brand and they really do have a good strong solid brand and consistency yeah. um, but just you know where are we with it does it need to be revised at all and the other big thing we're trying to work on is um, a brand awareness campaign mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because the company has got just about everything going for it except for brand awareness yeah. I mean we've got a great product line we've got a great distribution system we've got an excellent e-commerce framework in place and retailer you know situation in place and we've got really good um, brand loyalty from existing customers. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that we don't have is strong brand awareness. Mm. So I'm thinking that if we can launch some brand awareness campaigns uh, to get people to to know who we are and recognize who we are, it could really help. And we're even trying to increase our brand awareness here in Northeast Indiana. I yeah. mean, even a lot of people in Northeast Indiana don't know who we are. So we're doing some things like... Um, we're doing a tree in the Embassy Festival mm-hmm. of Trees this year. Mm-hmm. Never done that yeah, before. Sure. We're having a display created for the Fantasy of Lights. Yeah. Um, and I'm hoping to maybe look at some other, you know, just, uh, company reputation management and PR, mm-hmm. just sending out an occasional yep. press release and saying, "Here, we're here. Here's yeah. what we're doing. Yeah. So so I, I suspect it wasn't intentional that it's been a quiet company. What, what do you think is the reason for that? Any insight into that? I think... Um, Modesty. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, that that's something that I definitely didn't grow up with on the East Coast. <laughs> and moving to Northern Indiana, I see a lot of it in a in a corporate and in a business yeah. sense. You know, one of, one of the people I, I I talk to frequently is Andrew Booth at MedPro, and he talked about the fact that MedPro didn't even have a sign in front of the building mm. for years, and some of it was that humility and yes, you know, we don't want to make too much of a fuss. 
Yes, so, draw yeah. attention to ourselves. Or, yeah. I mean, for example, the company donates a lot, a lot of coats to different organizations, mm-hmm. especially at um, maybe, you know, the rescue mission at mm-hmm. holiday time and mm-hmm. so on, but they nobody knows it. Yeah. And they feel like, well, if we bragged about that, that's just not right. We shouldn't be bragging about that. And so, well, it's not bragging. I yeah. mean, you know, yeah. so trying so, to put a little bit put ourselves forward and yeah. just say we're here. Yeah. Well, and it's it's a little bit of low-hanging fruit, hopefully, for you. Some things yeah. that you did for a number of years and now have the chance to do for another company. Is is there anything that surprised you um, or has surprised you as you've gotten to know the company and, and its people? Anything that, that you didn't know going in that maybe expected something different? Oh, gosh. Well, they have uh, they have some fun. So that's that's rewarding. Yeah, they have nice offices. They just remodeled their offices, but they have uh, like, I hope they won't mind me t- telling these stories. But they have beer thirty every mm-hmm. Friday, yeah. where they basically stop working at three yeah. o'clock and start drinking beer. Yeah, and they have um, like the haircuts for employees, and oh, they, wow. have, they have a nacho cheese alarm that goes off when they make nacho cheese. Oh wow! So they just they've got a lot of personality and fun. Yeah. Yeah, sounds like it. Well, that's, that's always enjoyable. a good thing. It makes it a little, little easier to go to work every day. I said yeah. you have to gain like 10 pounds when you start working here because everybody's <laughs> constantly eating nacho cheese and don't everybody's bringing in donuts all the time. Well, they're trying to sell you new clothes. So if you gain some weight, you go up a size and then, yeah. That's a good go. strategy. Go. So um, obviously that's a lot, learning a new company and working on branding. Is there anything else that um, is on your plate that's substantial that's either keeping you up at night or getting you excited or maybe a little bit of both? Oh, gosh. Well, I just started um, volunteering with the Allen County uh, Christmas Bureau. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to learn that organization. Yeah, and tell us a little bit about it. What I think some people will know that organization, but others may not be familiar with it. It is an organization that has been around for a number of years, and they um, match donors with uh, families in need at Christmas time, and mm-hmm. they uh, get people to adopt a family. And um, I don't have all the, you know, the brand story down sure, here quite sure. yet, but um, it's they. I think it was something like 350 families last year that they served. Mm-hmm. That they and I helped um, with the donation process in the warehouse, and there were, it was amazing. You yeah. know how much, how many gifts and donations came in and out of there. I mean, just like dozens and dozens of bicycles, for yeah. example. Yeah. Um. So this year, right now, they're looking for a space to do their fulfillment in. November 30th through December 3rd or whatever okay. it's going to be. So if anybody listening knows of a, a warehouse with uh, two dock doors and space that can be used for three or four days, please get in touch with the Allen County Christmas Bureau because we need a space this year. All right. So everybody listen up. And if you know of that, reach out to me or Melissa and we'll get that problem solved. So how did you get involved with that organization? Was it a personal passion? Was it related to your work at Burn Apparel? How did that come together? I had been a, a donor. Mm-hmm. I had just, you know, donated to them. Yeah. And then um, I had uh, some time. I was able to volunteer. Mm-hmm. So I just sort of stepped up the volunteering there. And then, yeah. they, then they invited me. Now, I mean, you're involved with Fort Wayne Trails mm-hmm. and lots of other organizations too. So yeah. um, you're, you're definitely a, have that volunteer mindset as well. And I, I admire that. Well, yeah, and it goes back to what we talked about earlier, you know, when, and and again, kind of referencing something I talked about with, with the group I was speaking to last night. You know, when I started my career, I was always thrilled to be asked and felt like I had to say yes when I was asked to serve on a board or a committee. But what ended up happening is I ended up 
serving on some some volunteer efforts that I really wasn't all that passionate about, and it showed. You know, I didn't really contribute as much as as I should have or could have. Later in life, I said, "Hey, I'm I'm still going to feel." you know, honored if somebody asks, but I'm going to be selective in where I give my time. And I'm really fortunate that, you know, my volunteer time is pretty much all Fort Wayne Trails and Indiana Tech, two organizations I have a, a great relationship with and a lot of affinity for. So, you know, the the passion kind of just comes naturally when you care about the organization. So I know a lot about a lot about that. And, and sounds like you've got the same advantage with the Christmas Bureau. Yeah, they're a good organization. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to switch now to the speed round of the show where oh, we boy. talk about some of the things we've already discussed, but in a more uh, concise way, if you will. So, you know, you've made a career change that, you know, came after a, a long stint with one employer, but it's not the first career change you've ever made. You've also changed what you do a number of different times, although all within the realm of marketing, you went from graphic designer to account executive to client side, client, client side marketer. What is your best piece of career advice? In other words, when you think about what you've learned about building a career, if somebody was asking your advice about how do you build a career path successfully, what would you say? Oh, gosh. That's a good question. I don't know that a lot of my choices were planned, yeah. you know, exactly. Sure, sure. But um, I think I would uh, I think I would give two pieces of advice. One is do volunteer work, mm-hmm. which I already talked about yep. why that's yep. important. And number two, my life motto is, and how it has always been, try a little harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what I would tell them. Try a little harder, which it sounds... Like a lot of work, like slave driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but I don't mean just working a little harder because, I mean, it, yes, it is working a little. Like if you're an art director, don't just show two ideas, show three. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you're writing a marketing plan, don't just check your facts, double check your facts. Mm-hmm. But it also means uh, trying a little harder to understand somebody else's point of view mm-hmm. or trying a little harder to improve a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Try a little harder. It, even, even silly little things like sometimes I think, does this blouse need to be ironed? Yeah, try a little harder. It needs to be ironed. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, that's great advice and and unique from I think what any of our past guests has said, and I like that a lot. I mean, one of the things I've learned as I've gotten a little older is you always. I don't always, and those of you who know me will will back this up. I don't always live by it, but I I do believe that you always want to leave situations knowing you gave your best effort, whether yeah. that is a relationship or whether it is your work. It just, it, it takes less time because you don't churn as much about all the things you could have done yes. or should have done. Yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, really good advice. All right, second one, this is probably something that's fresh in your head um, because of the work you do. But if, if you were trying to capture the Burn Apparel brand in, in a phrase, uh, you know, something concise. If somebody stopped you and said, hey, this new place you work, tell us about it, and you've got 30 seconds, 60 seconds, what would you say? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, I'm trying to learn the elevator speeches. They come pretty naturally, but, I mean, the company's tagline is let's get to work. Mm. And we've got big signs on the walls that yeah. say let's get to work. And it um, it certainly fits with my uh, approach. Sure. And it fits with workwear. Yeah. But um, our mission statement is that we supply... Um, workwear to hardworking Americans that's made right, made to work, and made affordable. Yeah, 
Okay. So that's it's, pretty it's one of those mission statements that's pretty good. Yeah. Well, I know I've heard you say that you don't like mission statements. I don't like a lot of mission <laughs> statements because, you know, my that that's a good one. I, w- I would hold that up as a model yeah, for what they should do. Yeah, it's pretty do. good. It's right on, I think. Yeah. Well, and, and the flaw that I find with most mission statements is they're very well-intentioned, but what ends up happening is they're written by committee and all these well-intentioned people kind of have the word that they insist be in the mission statement or they want to move the comma to a certain place. And it ends up, it ends up, there are pieces that work well for everyone, but the whole doesn't work all that great. But I really like that one. Can you you give that to me again? I I want to hear it again. We supply uh, workwear to hardworking Americans that is made right, made to work, and made affordable. All right. Well, that was a test and you got it right. So I there think you go. That's a good one. Yeah, no, that's that's really good because it's it's descriptive and yeah. it, it it is portable where it'll mean the same thing to, to multiple people while also being very, very specific, which I like. It's a good one. Yeah. And it's not um like you were saying, my boss my new boss says people buy their words at Costco in bulk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well and you know my the the fly I think with many mission statements is after hearing them you don't know any more than yeah. you did coming into the conversation but in that case it really I, I think that's a great um, a great position to have yeah. so yeah good good good, good for you Bernard Apparel great job <laughs> thanks uh, yeah and then the the, the final question um, is related to everything that's been going on for the past fourteen months you know we when we started this podcast. It was a you know byproduct of the pandemic where we were trying to do some new things at a time when we were forced into some innovation, but also you know had the opportunity to do some new things. And when we started the podcast, we were talking to people about you know resilience, and and we still need a lot of that in the world. But as we're coming out of the pandemic, um, we've changed the question to what 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 you've learned over the past fourteen months. What what is something that you took away? from the last year or so that you think will stick with you and, and that you think is worth sharing with, with others? Oh, my gosh. That's a tough one. Well, the unique situation for me was that, you know, I was job searching during the pandemic, and yeah. it was the first time I had been job searching in 17 years. Yeah. And it was so, and it's not really pandemic-related, exactly what I learned from that, but except for it was even more challenging to be job searching in a pandemic than... Mm-hmm. I mean, it was all, you know, Zoom interviews and so yeah. on. But um, this is kind of uh, ironic to say, but I had to learn how to tell my story. Mm-hmm. I had to learn how to define my brand and tell my story. Yeah. And it took me a while to do that. Yeah. And um, I thought, I'm in marketing. How can I not know how to yeah. communicate my brand? But I just hadn't done it in so long. And I, I was a little um, modest mm-hmm. and didn't want to tell my story. So... Um, Anybody who's job searching, that's my number one piece of advice, is learn how to tell your story mm-hmm. in, in a succinct way. I mean, like just a little examples. You know, an interview might, interviewer might ask me a question like, you know, um, how many people were on your team? And I, in the beginning, I would get kind of tongue-tied. I'd be going, well, you know, I had five people, but then one left, and then I had this, and then I had, uh, you know, yeah. over time, these yeah. things happen. But then, you know, by... After a little time went by, I learned to say, well, I led a team of five people and I had this and I had that, you know, I mean, you just have to learn to tell your story. Yeah. Well, and I think it's for those of us who work in any facet of communication, 
I think it's way easier to help someone else tell their story than it is to tell your yeah, own story. Maybe and that's part of it. Yeah. That's something that, you know, we talk about at, at Asher all the time is we do a really great job of bringing brands to life and helping them tell their stories. And, and sometimes we forget to tell our own story yeah. in the process. I think that's true for us as individuals too. It's, it's way easier to, you know, point the camera at someone else and, and draw their story out than it is to, you know, decide what, what our story is. Yeah, I yeah. Can totally get that. Yeah, so anything, I'll, I'll ask you one more question. Is there anything you learned through the challenge of job search during a pandemic that, you know, if, if someone might experience as the world of work changes that you think is, is worth knowing? Oh, my gosh. Well, ugh. I certainly learned a lot about myself and, you know, people would ask me two questions like, where do you see yourself in five years? And, um, you know, what are you looking for? And I would think, I don't know, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it made me reflect on those things for myself and what's yeah. important to me. And I came to some good conclusions. And um, so it was a really good reflection and growth opportunity for myself as well. Yeah. Well, and and it sounds like you've landed at a great place that's a good yeah, match for your skills. Yeah, I feel very fortunate. Yeah. Well, well, congratulations on that for sure. And thanks for giving us some of your time. I know you're busy learning a new company and a new industry. Yeah. So I appreciate you taking the time to be here with us and, and share your story as, as we both figure out what our stories are. Thanks so much for having me, Anthony. It's really enjoyable. I should have brought you a coat from Burn Apparel. I'll send you one. All right. That sounds great. That sounds great. And, and I'll try not to eat the nacho cheese and upsize myself. So, well, thanks, Melissa. And thanks to everyone who took the opportunity to listen to this week's podcast. We'll be back next week with another great guest. And we hope you'll join us then. 